0: I'm Kaylee Arrett, and you're listening to episode 37 of Me When I'm Free. Hi, friend. This week, we celebrate the one-year birthday of the Me When I'm Free podcast. Can you believe it? I remember as I think back on this week last year, feeling quite nervous as I launched my first episode, wondering how it would be received, but I can tell you one year later that this little podcasting adventure has brought me so much joy and I love the community around it. Today, I'm switching things up a bit, and the joy just keeps growing because I get to welcome my sister, Tamara Murphy, to the podcast. You see, for a while, I've been wondering what it would be like to include interviews as a part of the podcast, but I will admit that I have felt quite intimidated by it. Um, What if I'm horrible at it? What if it all goes wrong? But then I had the idea of inviting my sister on the show, and immediately it felt right for multiple reasons. The first being that she is one of the wisest people that I know and has so much to offer around this topic of calling that we've been working through. But then secondly, if it all goes wrong, who cares, right? I got to chat with my sister, so no big deal. Good news, it did not all go wrong. In fact, we had a very meaningful conversation that I think will be a great encouragement to anyone who is contemplating their own journey of calling. Tamara offers some hard-earned wisdom that I really think you're going to love. Plus, we had some laughs, so there's that too. Friend, would you please welcome my big sister Tamara to the Me When I'm Free community? Listen in. So, we know each other quite well. I've known you all my life. (laughs) And so, I know a whole lot about you, but many of the people that are listening do not. I thought maybe we could start off with you just telling us a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share with us. Sure.
1: Well, I'm, I'm a spiritual director and a freelance writer. I live with my husband, Brian, who is an Anglican priest. We live in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and we rent a cute little house a few blocks away from the Long Island Sound, so it's a lovely Lovely place to walk and to be. We have four children. They're all adults now. And in the last few years, we've joyfully welcomed a daughter in law, a son in law. And in November, we welcomed our first grandchild, our grandson, Julian. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those are some of my favorite details about my life to share with others.
0: Also, some of my favorite. And I am eagerly anticipating a trip to visit and snuggle that grandbaby. My first great nephew. That's right. Very soon, which you're, is kind of crazy.
1: You're a great aunt, or in the way Connecticut people would say it, is you're a great aunt.
0: Okay. I like that better. I'm a great aunt. <laughs> Thank you. So, since we are sisters and know each other quite well, I thought we could start with a question that we will both answer about each other that will give a little glimpse into the other person that others might not have the privilege of seeing the question that I've chosen that will each answer is what would you say my superpower is and I cannot wait to hear your answer I'm also going to answer it about you so Tamara I'll let you go first because I'm so eager to hear what would you say that my superpower is all
1: right well I took a ridiculous amount of time (laughs) thinking about how to answer this question, because when I think about you, I have more of a feeling. It's more of a, something I sense or feel like a reflex, which is probably because we know each other so well.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: to put it in language was an interesting exercise Mm. and I may or may not have Googled (laughs) how to tell someone what their superpower is. (laughs) which has a lot more to do with my personality Mm -hmm. than yours, but I thought you would get a kick out of, because we enjoy the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. I was looking at what Enneagram four superpowers are Mm -hmm. and Enneagram four. And I think this is delightful that Enneagram four superpowers is telepathy (laughs) or pain infliction. Oh, dear. Which cracks me up because that actually, believe it or not, actually helps me have <laughs> language to say, like, I used to say that you're the person, the only person in the world that I don't hesitate about calling on the phone, but mm. now we have all these other ways to talk mm-hmm. to each other on the phone, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I've never been a person who calls people on the phone, but mm-hmm. I think for you, I just knew that you would instantly zero in whatever it was that I had to share and you would feel it with me. Mm-hmm. and that I wouldn't have to explain a lot. Like you would just, you would be curious and interested in whatever the details were, no matter how big or small, mm-hmm. and you would have empathy for me immediately. Mm-hmm. And, or if there was somebody to be mad at in my story, <laughs> you would have no qualms about voicing that, which I think <laughs> is where the pain infliction sort of shows up. Like if I need somebody to be defensive on my behalf or my children's, like Kayla, you're you're one of the first people I'm gonna go to. So I'm gonna go with telepathy and pain infliction. Those are <laughs> your superpowers
0: in all the best ways. Thank you. I had not ever heard of that in that way before. So it's funny how sometimes where you see a strength can also be your greatest weakness. So sure. sometimes that feels like yeah an affliction on myself that I feel other people's pain, but I'm grateful to know that it feels like a superpower to you. It totally does. Thank you. It was so funny. I thought of this question weeks ago that I wanted to ask you. And then last week was your birthday. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And in my Facebook memories, a post popped up of a post that I wrote about you last year on Facebook that I had totally forgotten about. And I listed some things about you that I love. Aww. And one of the things was if I were to say you had a superpower, what it would be. I was like, Oh, ah. well, there we go. My homework is done for me. And I don't know if you remember this at all. When so I'll refresh it, your memory. Know. Okay. There were three things that I wrote. The first was Seeing into people's souls mm-hmm. <laughs> in all the best of ways. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. <laughs> then, secondly, was making beauty everywhere she goes. Mm-hmm. And this is so true about you. I see it in so many different ways. But the thing that I'm thinking about is your home as I say that, because your home is just the most lovely. Like, I cannot wait to come and snuggle up on your couch. And just soak in the beauty of your home mm-hmm. uh, which i think you got from our mom mm-hmm. i think she passed that down to you she has that gift also somehow that gene did not get passed down to me so i'm grateful that. that you got that and then the third that i wrote was showing up just at the moment she is needed even if it requires a drive across country
1: uh, yes I remember which, now that
0: yes and i know you have hopped in your car more than once to drive long hours when a crisis has arisen. But I was also thinking about the year that you lived in Texas, and we were having our annual Hill family vacation, which you weren't going to be able to attend, which is kind of a sacred event in the Hill family. And I don't remember all the details, but I just remember, I think it was the first morning of the vacation. I was- chatting with you on the phone and you just decided in that moment that you were not okay with missing hill family vacation and so i think that day or maybe the next you and brian hopped in the car and drove to i think it was pennsylvania because i think we were at great wolf lodge mm-hmm. to be there for just a few days what was that like 24 hours or something like that you drove
1: Yeah, probably. And I remember saying to Brian, like, you don't have to come with me. I want to do this so badly. I'll do it by myself, but I'm really glad that he was willing to come with me because yeah.
0: Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) I don't know what you call that superpower, but I just know that I'm grateful that you were so willing. So Uh, thank you for that. It's a fun memory. So we are going to be diving into this topic of calling. We're going to talk a little bit about your story of calling. And I also know that this is a topic that's near and dear to your heart in many ways, but I wanted to start off with kind of a fun question before we go too deep around this topic of calling your vocation. I am curious, what is your least favorite job to date? I know you've had a variety of jobs. I don't know what you would say your least favorite is, so I'm eager to hear.
1: I had a lot of fun thinking about this question as well. So there's actually, I made up categories. <laughs> I, hope
0: you don't mind. So
1: I would say my most stressful job, I'll say it that way. Mm-hmm. And I had plenty of jobs that had stress, but the kind of stress that did not energize me at all was when we were in Austin, I didn't know the area at all. And I just needed to help the family income. And so there was this online <laughs> organization called task rabbit that was it was sort of like you just tell people what you're willing to do and they tell you what they need and then the algorithm kind of connects you and so i ended up <laughs> i ended up driving all around the city that i had no idea anything about the city i delivered cupcakes to people i i did stranger's laundry. One guy showed up at his door for me to deliver his laundry and he clearly needed laundry because he was just like, had no shirt on, kind of reached around the door. I bid on a job say, I thought I didn't understand the job. I bid on a job that I would write code for someone's website, (laughs) but I actually had no idea to write code. And I remember that. Thankfully, a mutual friend of ours saved my neck in that and she helped me learn on the, as I went how to write code anyway so that was it's funny i'm sort of proud of it but it was also very stressful you Um, should be proud thank you (laughs) i would say my biggest failure of a job is Mm. that for a short time when we were living in a teeny tiny town in central new york state my kids were babies i was typing news articles for our little town newspaper that was fine i was good at that but then they asked me to be (laughs) the bookkeeper You know why that's funny because (laughs) I don't really have a mind for numbers at all. Uh, And they very kindly eventually just took that task away from me. I was (laughs) terrible at that. I was not my least favorite job was cleaning hotel rooms and cleaning other people's houses. I mean, I'm happy to not have to do that again to pay for groceries, but I didn't mind that. And then I also thought it'd be fun to tell you the jobs that I turned down. Oh, had I done these jobs, they might have been my least favorite jobs. Um, this was when we were in Austin and I was looking for work and I ended up with that task rabbit job but before that people were trying to help me find jobs one of them was mucking out horse stalls <laughs> which I know there are people in the world who would love actually
0: Wes did that as his first job he's quite proud of it
1: he should be yes. he should be I would be terrible at that moment. <laughs> and then the other was being a balloon artist where I learned how to make balloon animals and traveled around to restaurants and mm. let people pay me in tips oh so those are two jobs I turned down that probably would have
0: been my who least. knows maybe you had a future in those things <laughs> you'll never know no
1: I won't <laughs> and as it turned out my daughter took the balloon artist job so oh, balloon animal, oh yes
0: that. I forgot about that yeah oh my goodness all right thank you for that little trip down memory lane that <laughs> is delightful <Yes. laughs> I didn't expect to laugh quite so hard, but
1: it would be uh, super fun to hear
0: other people's answers. Yes, for sure. Okay. Well, lovely. Well, on that note, let's dive in a little bit deeper than okay. balloon animals and mucking out horse <laughs> dolls. So, we are talking about this topic of calling. And if you are paying attention, you might have put the dots together that both Tamara and I are both, or in my case, going to be um, spiritual directors. And I know that I was not even familiar with the vocation of a spiritual director until about seven years ago when I met my current spiritual director. <clears throat> and I think, I think that both of us were feeling drawn to spiritual direction training kind of around the same time, but in different veins. But you dove in sooner. So I would love to hear a little bit more about your journey of calling um, to where you are now. What path led you to where you are now as a spiritual director?
1: Yes, I love this. Um, And the truth is, Kaylee, I think we were drawn around the same time. But I'm I I sort of forgot this detail, so I apologize. I think you're the one that actually planted the seed in my mind about getting trained. I think maybe we had both become aware of spiritual direction, like as a spiritual practice, Yeah. but the idea of being trained or even pursuing that, I think you actually planted that seed in my mind.
0: I'll take credit for that. You should, absolutely. Yes.
1: I, I call this part of my calling as like the call that rose up like a road to meet me, which is, it's taken from an Irish prayer, an Irish blessing prayer. And the reason I say that is because there have been, and I think there will continue to be plenty of choices that I need to make vocationally or relationally or otherwise that feel a little bit more like uh, a work that I have to like stalk a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah. Like Annie Dillard has a great statement in an essay called Living Like a Weasel, where she talks about stalking our callings and almost like uh, picture, you know, a weasel, like searching for prey, hunting for a prey, like mm. finding the most tender and live spot in the prey and like sinking its teeth in, which is sort of a, well, that's sort of maybe harsh imagery, but mm. I think I suspect that most of us can relate to that feeling when we, when we have to hustle a little bit more or mm. um, search a little bit harder. But for whatever reason, and I'm so grateful, I feel like this calling and just to becoming a spiritual director was a call that kind of rose up like a road to meet me. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't have to hunt it down. Another way that I've described that is I feel like God whispered the idea of this call, or at least the components of it, like a love for spiritual practices a love for listening in prayer with other people years before the opportunity actually arose. And then he kept track of my desires while I forgot all about them until the time when Mm -hmm. I was able to step into it. Love that. So I can tell you a little bit more about the actual sort of when the decision.
0: Yes, I would love to hear that.
1: A lot of this has has to do or, or is directly connected to seasons of life too, which is a huge part of calling. The calling conversation is understanding the seasons of life that we're in. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um as I've already described, like most of my work history and even my ministry, the things I did in church ministry very much fall under the category of like um, a scrappy work ethic, <laughs> like mm-hmm. just needed to have a job or needed to, you know, somebody needed something. And so I, I sort of found a way to, to, fill in that gap. I was married young and had children young, and I kind of, with a pretty naive abandon, gave up college midway. So I couldn't think of anything more at that time than I wanted to do than be married and have children. And I would still consider those things as part of, you know, my highest callings. Mm -hmm. But what happened then is that as my children began to graduate from high school and pursue their own work and education, as my husband's vocational journey unfolded in some pretty surprising ways, I began to feel the loss of that. Like, Mm -hmm. so I think that just created this space in me where I could acknowledge more of what I was hoping for and more of what I desired and then literal space in my life to perhaps learn something new. And so around the time our youngest child graduated high school, we were also making a move from Austin, Texas here to Connecticut. And we knew one of the things we committed, like this next season of life is going to be for me, Tamara, to um, pursue or open up or, you know, consider some things that could be long-term vocational callings. Mm -hmm. And right around that time, a woman who I I respected very much, but barely knew, sent an email and, you know, about the place that she had been trained in spiritual direction. It was the same place that our pastor's wife in Austin had been trained. So I was a little bit familiar with it. And um, just somehow I knew when that email, when I opened that email, she had this statement, like, take a look and see if something stirs in you and something <laughs> massively stirred in me. Like I just knew before I read the email, I didn't know what I wanted to do. After I read the email, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. There were a lot of costs and, and shifts involved in pursuing that training, but it was, you know, it was, it was a deep joy and it, it reconnected me again to those things that were in my past that I felt like God was inviting me to step into more fully.
0: I love thinking about that because it's making me think about my own story and it'd be so interesting to kind of see the timeline from God's perspective because I went to school I went to college for elementary ed did that for two and a half years and stopped Mm -hmm. But when I think about the things that I've done in my calling, there they're things that I was totally unaware of or that didn't exist back when I went to college, right? Mm-hmm. So becoming a blogger, that was not a thing when I went to college. And yet it was what fit me so well. Mm-hmm. And then I had never even heard of spiritual direction. And so. I love the idea of this image of God kind of tucking away Mm -hmm. things that he knows, oh, at this time in life, I'm going to reveal this to you. And then you have that moment where it just kind of all makes sense. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love picturing you reading that email and Mm -hmm. having that sense in that moment. It's beautiful.
1: It is. I think part of that learning too, is just the growing awareness and great gratitude that um, nothing we do is wasted. Even those silly jobs that I mentioned were ways that I grew and learned and certainly ways that I learned how to depend on God, you know? And then there are plenty of things I gave a whole bunch of time to that really I learned from and grew from, but I have no desire to go back, you know? Yeah. So just having that sense that God is holding all of it together Uh, Mm -hmm. for us. It's really encouraging.
0: And it's even a gift to discover what we weren't created for. You discovered you were not created to be a bookkeeper. You can cross that off the list, right? So I think God redeems everything that we do. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Me When I'm Free podcast. You can tune back in next week to hear part two of this interview. In the meantime, click follow to subscribe to the podcast. And I'd be delighted if you left a review in your favorite podcast listening app. Thanks for listening, friend. Let's meet back here next week.